Hello and welcome to this episode of The Complete Interpreter by me, Sophie Llewellyn-Smith, otherwise known as The Interpreting Coach. This is the podcast for all things interpreting, from interpreting skills to mindset to marketing one day, I promise. Why is it called The Complete Interpreter? Well, because you are more than just an interpreting machine or a translation machine, actually. Today, I am talking about register, formal register in your B language in particular. This is actually part three of a little three-part sequence. So if you haven't listened to parts one and two, I would invite you to go and do that now. Because I've been talking about how you can improve your formal register in your B language. And it seems to me that there are three stages involved in doing that. Although you can work on all three stages at the same time, you don't have to complete stage one in inverted commas before moving on to stage two and then stage three. But the stages as I see it are improving your awareness of and sensitivity to register in your B language, which is harder to do than in your mother tongue for reasons I've explored in the previous two episodes. Secondly, vocabulary building. So that you build up a, uh, a repertoire and a reserve of useful formal phrases that you can insert where necessary. And today I'm going to be talking about activating that vocabulary, activating your more formal register so that it becomes second nature or at least more natural. Because what we don't want in the booth is to have to think very hard about a particular expression. We don't have a lot of time in the booth to think. So we can't sit there going, oh, wait, I want to say this in a really formal way, but uh, I can't remember the exact phrase. Do I know a more formal way to say this? You don't have time for any of that. You either have the more formal expression on the tip of your tongue or you don't. And that is why it's useful to do some activation exercises so that when you need the formal register, it is there, not too far below the surface. I'm going to get straight into it today and simply talk to you about some exercises that you can do. The first one is for working on collocations, I suppose, or for building sentences around a formal term that you think is going to be useful to you. Now, where might you find these little gems? There are many ways to find formal terms that you think are going to be useful. One of the ways, it depends what kind of work you do. So let's say you've been assigned to a meeting um, in the Council of the European Union, where they're going to be discussing a piece of legislation about uh, three-point seatbelts in coaches. You get the document in advance, go and have a look at the definitions article because that typically contains some quite technical and sometimes formal-ish verbs, for example. So you might be able to find some terminology in there. Or you might go and find the transcripts of a, a couple of speeches that were given on ceremonial or formal occasions and find some turns of phrase that are useful to you in there. It really depends what kind of work you do. You might simply scour the newspapers to try to find some formal expressions that you think might be useful to you. Or you might use 
our friend Google and look up some websites that actually have word lists, informal on one side in one column and formal in the other column. I must say you have to be careful with those websites. Many of them are English language learning blogs uh, or websites and they give some good ideas but some of what they say is not 100% accurate or you might be able to use the term in one context but not another. So do be careful if you use those websites. But plenty of ways that you can go mining for formal vocabulary. And I was, as I was saying in part two, the previous episode on this subject, for all I know now, you could just ask G- ChatGPT and say, what is a more formal equivalent of uh, the word to start? And maybe it would say to commence. I don't know. So make yourself a little list of maybe five words for this particular practice session or 10 words that are more towards the formal end of the register scale that you think will be reusable in your work because there's no point really learning lots of formal words that you're never going to use. And then you need to do a little bit of work on those words. So the first thing I would suggest doing is looking them up in a dictionary. For English, I use the Cambridge Dictionary and I always cross-check with Merriam-Webster, which is American English, to to just check if there are any differences between British and American usage. But check in whatever dictionary is, is relevant for your B language. And the reason for doing this is not just so you can understand the meaning, but so you can see the different sub-meanings or the different contexts in which this word is used. And the next thing I would suggest is using a collocations dictionary. For English, I use the online Oxford collocations dictionary so that you can see what adjectives collocate well with your noun, if you've got nouns, or what verbs collocate well with your noun, or what adverbs go well with your verb, if that's what you have. So you've done some research, take note of those things in some way. Maybe you can draw a word cloud or cluster. For example, if your term is elucidate or enlighten, you could put that in the middle of a sheet of paper and then around it, uh, you could put the preposition that goes with it an adverb, some adverbs that go with it, some nouns that go with it, whatever you found in your research and in your collocations dictionary. And if you can mark some of those words as being particularly formal with an asterisk, for example, then so much the better. So now you've got a a toolkit for using this term. Let's say it was elucidate or substantiate. You know, what, what is it that one can substantiate? Is it an idea, an opinion, an argument? a proposal. I don't know. Your research will tell you that. And then make up some sentences. Make up some sentences using the word elucidate or using the word substantiate or whatever it was you had. In fact, make up several sentences, let's say between maybe five sentences, and try and use this term with its different meanings, if you found different meanings in the dictionary, and try and switch up the grammar. So, uh, for example, 
Can you turn this verb, if it's the verb substantiate, into a noun? Substantiation? Can you say that? Does it have the meaning that you think it has? <laughs> and how would you use it in a sentence? So the idea of this is to consolidate your understanding of the term and get you used to putting it in a sentence in different places and in different ways. Uh, put it with the words that collocate well and just play with it. Start anchoring it in your short-term memory so that it can then become part of your long-term memory. That's an exercise. You'll understand now why I suggested maybe choosing five terms or maximum ten because actually doing the research, looking it up in the dictionary, looking up collocations, thinking about how formal or otherwise all these words are and then making up example sentences, that's a practice session in itself really. And then the goal would be to use those terms when you're interpreting. Now, to some extent, that's dependent on chance, right? You have to wait for uh, an equivalent concept to occur so that you can use the word. But there are other exercises that you can do in order to use those words deliberately. And this brings me on to my second exercise, which is preparing speeches yourself. Now, if you went to an interpreting school at some point, or if you're an interpreter trainer, or if you belong to an interpreting practice group or you work with a partner, then I'm sure you're familiar with the concept of writing in inverted commas, because I never write them out in full, but at least preparing your own speeches. You pick a topic, a topic where you think you have weaknesses either in your background knowledge or in your knowledge of vocabulary in your B language, and you prepare a short speech, maybe five minutes long, that has a beginning, a middle and an ending. So you need an introduction, a conclusion and some persuasive points in the middle. That might be a pros and cons structure, the pros and cons of, let's say, solar power. Or it might be an argument that leads from A to B. Uh, why the subprime mortgage uh, crisis led to whatever. There are many ways of structuring a speech, but create it with a structure and because it's your speech, you can deliberately create it in such a way that you incorporate some of your um, new and shiny vocabulary. If, for example, one of the words that you were working on was the word substantiate, then maybe you would write a speech with some kind of allegation about a politician and talk about the evidence and whether it substantiates the accusations or something like that. So preparing speeches in your B language is a really valuable exercise for activating vocabulary. By the way, you don't just have to activate these more formal uh, verbs or nouns or whatever they are, but at the same time you could practice using one or two idioms that are particularly useful. And by preparing and researching the speech, reading a couple of articles to get the, the content, the ideas, and then delivering your speech out loud and maybe recording yourself, you've gone a long way towards activating that piece of vocabulary so that you can call upon it when needed. A variant on the speech preparation idea is that instead of doing it to incorporate 
particular words or particular phrases, you are simply using speech prep as a way to use a formal tone and formal vocabulary. And in order to do that, you could, for example, choose a particular occasion or um, style of speech, maybe an inaugural address. You could decide that you're going to prepare an inaugural... How do we pronounce that? <laughs> inaugural address for a particular occasion or some kind of ceremony, um, an award ceremony or something like that. And then you prepare a speech and try and make it formal with all the tricks that we've talked about in the previous two episodes. And some of those tricks may be related to the linking words that you use or the lack of contractions or the fact that you make longer sentences uh, with more words that come from Latin or that you use more neutral turns of phrase. Right, so I've covered a collocations exercise, two different types of speech preparation in your B language. Now, let's, let's talk about some reformulation exercises that you can do. You can choose a text. It's always useful if it relates to the kind of work that you do. So if you're a medical interpreter, maybe you choose a text that's medical. If you are an interpreter for the UN, then choose something geopolitical. If you work for the European institutions, it could be all sorts of things. Maybe you want to pick something commercial. And you pick it in your B language and you start reading through that text. And when you come across an interesting phrase, so that might be an idiom or it might be a verbal phrase. So it contains a verb and an object, for example, or a subject and a verb. And you think, oh, OK, that's interesting. Do I know other ways of saying this? How could I reformulate this? Do I know any more formal synonyms for this noun? Then that is where you would start digging into your repertoire of more formal terms and think to yourself, do I know a more formal way? It's up to you as you go through that text to pick the bits that you're going to try to reformulate. As I've said several times already, there are simply some terms that cannot be reformulated. If you're doing a a medical text and it's already talking about diabetes and hyperglycemia and and something like that you can't change change those words into something more formal there is no other equivalent <laughs> so uh, maybe don't pick something very scientific or very technical because usually there's very little scope for making that more formal or more technical but that is a reformulation exercise that you can try with a text uh, another way of doing that would be to take a, a whole passage, for example, a blog post or an opinion piece in a newspaper in English, and maybe don't take the whole article because they can be very long, and just rewrite the whole passage in a more formal style. And finally, you can also do this with a speech, I mean a practice speech, for example, from the EU speech repository, or a speech that you found on YouTube, or a TED talk. TED talks are often quite conversational, actually. So you can pick spoken material like that, and in your B language, 
and your task is to go from B into B. But as you listen, you're not just blindly repeating what you hear, you are trying to reformulate it in a more formal style, using all the tricks that you can think of, losing the contractions, using more formal language, um, inserting the correct form of address at the beginning, uh, looking for more formal verbs and turns of phrase. Okay, I've given you a list of exercises today, as I have in the previous two episodes, and I hope that between them, these three episodes about improving your formal register and your B language will give you a really good starting point. If you know that this is a weakness for you, but you didn't know where to start with improving, then hopefully you now know where to start. I think the, the problem is, like all types of English enhancement in your B language, it's not enough to just listen to the radio, watch telly, read the news, or uh, listen to a podcast while you are walking the dog or something. There's got to be something more deliberate, more mindful, and above all, more active in your practice. And by active, I don't mean walking the dog faster. <laughs> and panting as you do it. I mean active in the sense of activating the linguistic resources, making them part of your active vocabulary as a part of your passive vocabulary. You know, recognizing formal register in your B language is useful, but it's not that useful if you can't then use the formal vocabulary when you need it. So I've tried to give you a progression so that you can move from recognition to enlarging your repertoire of options to then actually making them part of your active vocabulary to call upon when needed. Hope that was useful. As usual, send me an email at info at if you want to let me know whether this is the type of thing you do to improve your formal register in your, in your B language. And of course, you can also let me know what you'd like me to talk about next time. My preferred way for you to do that, please, is to go to the show notes where there is a link and you can click on that link. It takes you to a very short form. It's only got one question. (laughs) What are your suggestions or something like that? And you can let me know what would be a useful topic. Hope you enjoyed today. See you next time. Bye.